Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Aggie Sports Radio Show, or rather the Aggie Radio Sports Show, but whatever you really want to call it. It's on 92.3 KBLU LP Logan. I'm Jake Ellis, and I am the sports editor of the Utah Statesman. I'll be joined by Jacob Nielsen, former sports editor of the Statesman and uh, a uh, a freelance journalist covering the Aggies right now, primarily for KSL. So we'll be talking all things Aggie sports here on the Aggie Radio Sports Show. And we're going to get started, as we usually do, talking about last week's football game, or really the last football game, rather, on Saturday. Um, a very late night cap, so hopefully you were able to stay up and watch most of that game. That one ended 41-34, to Utah State coming on top over the Rainbow Warriors to improve to 5-5, five and 4-2 five, and two in conference play. Hawaii falling to two and nine, one and five, near the bottom of that West Division. But for Utah State, that win puts them at five hundred, five and five. Um, a team that started out, uh, I believe, one and four, battled back, and has won four of their last five. So on the verge of a bowl berth, and to do so, they'll need to beat either San Jose State. Or Boise State, but as those familiar with the Mountain West know, uh, Mountain West teams have been left out even with six wins. Most recently, Wyoming in, in 2019, I believe, was that year. So I think we finally have Jacob coming into the booth uh, a little late. Um, I don't know if I'll excuse him, but hopefully you listeners will. <laughs> um, but it should add some more juice into this show. Obviously... Um, a major thing to talk about in this game was uh, that late-night start in the travel to Hawaii. It's something they talked about pretty much the whole week, um, the football team did, how they had to fly out early and they had to prepare. And then even on game day, once you're there, you're in Hawaii, but you have to wait until 9 o'clock mountain time, and you've really only been there a day or two to adjust. So it was something that played a factor in, and as Jacob's starting to sit down here, I want to ask him what his thoughts are on do you think that that travel really does play a pretty big factor? I mean, it's a nine-hour flight to Hawaii. That's a, that's a trek. Personally, I don't like flying at all, so that would mess with my psyche. Flying over the Pacific Ocean like that for nine hours, I wouldn't be about it. But I also think that when you barely beat a bad Wyoming team, excuse me, a bad Hawaii team by a touchdown and your defense plays terrible, <laughs> um, it's a pretty good strategy to blame all the external factors for the performance. And I think there was a little bit of that going on as well. Sure. Um, I'll give you those totals. Um, right now, Hawaii, in that game, they're able to get 27 first downs. But the glaring thing there is yardage-wise, they got 306 passing yards. 235 rushing um and i think that passing one really stands out to me as um one that is different than what we've maybe seen from other opponents so far because we've seen some teams that have ran over the aggies they just you know have bigger bigger lines they have good running backs you know titus swen did it but like you said it's a hawaii team so what side was more egregious to you that that 300 passing or the 250 rushing you know, I was really impressed with Hawaii's quarterback. 
in Hawaii's wide receivers. I thought that they made some really, really impressive plays where Utah State's coverage, for an example, Andre Grayson, um, I can't remember the receiver he was guarding, but he stuck with him for most of the game. But he had a size disadvantage, maybe a physicality disadvantage, and they just kept making these big plays. So in the fourth quarter, when it was kind of desperation for Hawaii, because I believe they were down 34-17, and it's fourth and seven at about their 32-yard line, and they throw a dart into the end zone, and this guy comes up with it, right? And so a couple of those passing yard plays, I was like, okay, I mean, in a spread offense in college football, this is what Hawaii does. I don't know how they're going to stop that. You know, you can be in the right coverage, you can bring pressure, but sometimes they're going to make plays. I was more concerned with some of the running. Yeah. Because I just think that physically Utah State should have been more dominant. And they haven't been this season on defense the recent weeks because of injuries and stuff of that nature. But Well, like, the glaring play there is Hawaii's second-to-last drive. That's right. It's um, I forget the yardage, but it's got to be a 70-plus yard touchdown run, right? Oh, I mean, he just completely just broke up the middle. Untouched, it felt like. And it was kind of annoying because, you know, we got, like, deadlines for our stories. And we're coming up with, okay, here's what's going on. Then all of a sudden, Hawaii's just still scoring. They just keep putting their foot on the gas. And so credit to them. I, I thought they were impressive for a team in a, with a first-year head coach that's a former legendary player of theirs. And they have not a lot to play for in terms of what their record was, in terms of just how poorly they've done this year. And I thought that those guys battled against the Aggies. I, I was impressed with Hawaii. Like, their coaching staff, whatever, like, let's keep an eye on them. I'm hoping they can do great things because it's always, it's always better when the Rainbow Warriors are a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, let me say, just so you have the, if it brings it to your mind, Tylen Hines, that running back for Hawaii, that got a 69-yard touchdown to bring that score 41-31 to um, with a, about three and a half left in the game. And he went 69 yards to the house. So, uh, like you said, it's just things like that, um, some pretty big plays that broke past um, against the Aggies uh, rushing-wise. And I, I really agree with what you said about that coaching staff. And it's kind of something um, that Anderson touched on. Is It's just the culture of Hawaii football right now is really emphasis on, you know, that kind of that family attitude, protecting the island, um, and so they're tenacious at home. And, you know, Blake Anderson said it all week coming in, like, hey, we, we know this is going to be a tough game, not only because of, you know, external factors of travel and things like that, but because these are the games that Hawaii really gets up for. Yeah, you know, something that was kind of funny was I saw a tweet on Saturday unrelated to the Utah State-Hawaii game, but it was about the UCLA-Arizona game. Arizona goes in and they knock off one loss UCLA. And the tweet was, the scariest type of team is a team that sucks, but they don't know that they suck. <laughs> teams that are not supposed to be good on paper, they're not good football teams. They've lost a lot of games, but they go into the game thinking that they're the better team still. I was hoping that we, maybe we'd see a little bit of that from Utah State this season. After a 1-4 start, I was hoping, hey, maybe they'll keep this mentality still. And we saw that maybe in, in some games – of them playing with a reckless abandon. But 
I think that Hawaii showed that more so than anybody else of just, yeah, like we don't care. We're just going to go out and play hard. And it's scary if you're an Aggies fan, but it's, it makes for entertaining football. For sure. Um, so yeah, defense was a struggle, but, um, you know, who, who showed up? I don't know who did show up. What do you mean? You don't know who showed up, you know, <laughs> Cash Valley up. zone. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, former Grizzly and uh, Bobcat, right? Is that Sky? That's being? right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Ike Larson, of course. So what did you see from Ike in that game? Well, I mean, Ike just does his job really, really well. Just this whole season, he's just somebody. Ah, man. I mean, it gets annoying to to say what I'm about to say because it sounds like coach speak. But Ike Larson is somebody that just executes schemes and plays really well. We've seen that with two of his pump blocks earlier in the season. We've seen that. I think what he showed in the Alabama game when he got substantial minutes, um, just putting himself in a position, he was able to rock Bryce Young and he was able to get that pump block right. I think that he just plays with a ton of energy, but he keeps it contained within what they're trying to accomplish. And it was the same thing against Hawaii. He had two interceptions and both times it was him Making amazing plays, sure, using his athleticism, but he was also just being schematic, just yeah. you know following what the defensive coaches told him to do from watching film about this Hawaii team. It's um, I'm trying to find a, an example of someone on the football field, but it just seems like the kind of way uh, that that Ryland Jones plays basketball almost. It's just he's seeing things on the field that not everyone else is seeing. Um, because of what he's studied and what coaches have told him, uh, he just is almost like he has a third eye or something. He just is so aware and is able to make those plays. But let's hear what Blake Anderson had to say just on how he's developed this year. Um, I believe the exact question is something like, Ike Larson is just different. He's just like a playmaker. So it's just kind of the response to that. Um, either being just super calm in the in the moment and just having a poise that most young guys don't, or maybe he's so young he doesn't even realize he should be nervous. I, I don't know which it is, but he's a very gifted player. He's gaining confidence, you know, by the play. Uh, the moment does not seem to be too big for him. He loves to compete, loves the game, uh, always plays the game with a big smile on his face, which is is makes the guys around him better. Uh, and you know we don't we don't win the game without the plays that he made Saturday night. He he came up big in, in really big situations, and uh, I, I keep saying this: he's got a very bright future ahead of him here. And love the fact that he's a you know from the valley and, and loves being here, loves being a part of it. Uh, it. Was never in question that that this is what he wanted to do, and you see it on the field, in my opinion. Yeah, so kind of just reiterating what we've heard from this season, but. Stat, stat line-wise, this was the Ike Larson game, right? The two interceptions, like you mentioned. He also gets a sack. I think a TFL in there as well. I'd have to double-check. but um, And one of those interceptions goes to the house, a pick six. Yeah, I mean, he won Mountain West Defensive Player of the Week and Mountain West Freshman of the Week. Yeah, You can't have much more accolades on a weekly basis than that. And what's kind of funny is, we, we as the media love asking Coach Anderson about Ike Larson because of how electric he is and because he's a local kid and all those factors. It's turning into one of those things now where 
Blake Anderson just saying the same things over and over because <laughs> yeah. it's like how many more ways can he come up with to explain how dynamic of a player he is? Because people have been asking Blake Anderson about Ike Larson since week two. Yeah. And he just keeps on keeping on. He just keeps making plays. And so I think at some point, one thing is Blake's like, there's no doubt he has a tremendous future as a freshman. At some point, I mean, it's it's great the storyline to be like, oh yeah, he's a freshman. At some point, he's just a dude that is one of the best players on the Aggies football team. Gervin Hall is off the team now, starting safety. Yeah. It didn't feel like they they were missing him. No, That's a fifth year guy that has started many games at Miami, right? And Gervin Hall's a good player. He plays hard. But of all the positions where you're going to lose a starter, that seemed like one of the the least troublesome, I thought, because you plug Ike Larson in there, and he played just as well, if not better, because he's more of a playmaker. So, yeah, he's a redshirt freshman, whatever. He's just a dude that is one of the best players. And so I... I think that he should be treated as such, not this, oh, man, it's amazing what he's doing, this up-and-coming guy. No, he showed that he belongs here and that he's kicking butt at this level. Yeah. Well, and it's um, – I I hear a lot of talk. I, I see things – people are worried about losing him, you know, with the, the way the transfer portal is. Um, and, you know, I it's I think it's well-warranted. Don't you, don't you see, like, with what he's been able to do and just the landscape of college football now, are you a little bit worried about losing Ike Larson? Oh, let's let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. <laughs> I mean, I here. know there's still a season, you know, still got a couple games. You, you know, right? I but. with with the nature of the transfer portal, it is interesting um, because yeah, it can be treated like free agency a little bit. You can um, you can feel more like you can receive what you're worth with nil and stuff. And what that means generally is if you're good enough, you can go to bigger places where you're going to get greater opportunity financially. Um, think with Ike Larson is he is a local kid he already has NIL deals right now in Logan so I I don't think that for him the grass would be greener so I don't know I I don't know if I feel super comfortable having that discussion at this point in the season it'll be interesting to see Mm -hmm. what players do decide to move on because that's just that's going to happen that's not an indictment of the program there's just a hundred individuals with different wants and needs and I mean, I mean, maybe if someone in, if uh, I don't know, if Auburn or no, nah, you wouldn't want to go to Auburn these <laughs> days. No, if LSU mm-hmm. or Alabama comes knocking on someone's door, of course you'd go. But I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. You know. Well, and I, I get what you're saying nil wise, but I think we're forgetting there's still better things than nil. You know, like there's things like playing in a Power Five school for a championship. You know, year in year out. So if you get an opportunity like that, that's definitely some greener grass. I mean, I love Mountain West football, but there's a you know there's a difference. If you feel like you can compete for a national championship, you might want to make that move, right? Well, you know, young Jake Ellis, let me <laughs> let me let me tell you something that, that's happening. Right? Mm-hmm. The college football playoff is expanding. It is starting in 2024, most likely, right? Yeah. Well, what does that mean? That means that a G5 is going to have an opportunity to make the playoff. Every single year, there's going to be a bid from the G5, right? So all of a sudden, the ceiling of what can be accomplished is being ripped off because it's not this exclusive 14 playoff anymore. Yeah. Talent-wise, realistically, it's not. Utah State's not making a playoff. They're not one of the top eight teams in the country. But if the idea is a G5 gets the automatic bid, 
if you're one of the best team, if you win the Mountain West, if you run the table, then for that specific season, the sky is the limit. And so that's something, to your point, I think anybody wants to, everyone wants to play in front of the brightest lights on the biggest stage. If they can go play in front of 100,000 people, like you're saying, and compete for something big like that, then they're going to they're gonna get after that. I mean, if Texas A&M called me right now and they said, hey, we want you to come down here and be the new student sports editor. Yeah. You know, I'd probably say no because um, I'm about to graduate. So a terrible example. But <laughs> but if yeah. I was in your shoes, I, sure. I'd, I'd probably take it. I'm also about to graduate, man. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I forget. I forget. <laughs> but anyways, so I don't really know what I'm saying except for what's interesting is with the new changes with the playoff, there is greater opportunity at the G5 level that I think yeah. that could help Utah State at the same time, though. It is a, a mid-major football program. Yeah. Well, and just to play devil's advocate for someone that's in Ike Larson's shoes or someone, you know, anyone that is excelling right now as a freshman sophomore at the G5 level, yeah, that expansion's coming, but you might be gone by the time you your team could realistically make a run. So I think this is that tight window where maybe it still makes sense to transfer. I'm not saying Ike Larson's going to do that. You know, it seems like he's very rooted in Cache Valley and likes a lot of the things here, but you know, opportunities come knocking and sometimes you got to open those doors, right? So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens in the off season with different personnel and stuff. Um I wouldn't it's not something that if I was an Aggie fan, I would be losing sleep over. Um but I mean, it it is something to something to watch out for, but All right. Well, we'll take our first break. Stick around. We're going to be talking about men's and women's basketball. And we have some uh, miscellaneous fun announcements uh, coming up after that. So stay right here on Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLULP. News just in. Aggie Radio is the bee's knees. Radio.usu.edu. Hello? Hello? Oh, hey, J.C. Caldwell, Utah Statesman News Manager here. You know, now that I have you, you should pick up a copy of The Statesman, USU's student-run newspaper. A new issue comes out every Monday, and you can find them at almost any building on campus or read online at usustatesman.com. You do want to know what's happening on campus and in Logan, don't you? Anyway, I gotta run and grab a copy of my own. See you later. This broadcast is brought to you by Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLU and America First Credit Union. America First Credit Union offers a wide variety of financial services, including home loans for building, buying, and refinancing. More information available at AmericaFirst.com. Programming on Aggie Radio is brought to you by Aggie Print. Aggie Print is the university's professional print shop with a variety of custom options ranging from promotional flyers to apparel and engraving. Aggie Print has two locations on USU campus. Their main office is located at 880 East and 1250 North with a quick print location on the first floor of the Taggart Student Center. More information can be found at print.usu.edu. Aggie Sports Radio on KBLU is sponsored in part by Cache Valley Visitors Bureau. Cache Valley Visitors Bureau has all the information about the fall activities in the Valley. More information available at explorelogan.com. Welcome back to Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLU LP Logan. I'm Jacob Nielsen. With me, Jake Ellis. This is the Aggie Radio Sports Show 
presented by the Utah Statesman. You can also find us on podcasts at the Statesman Sports Desk. Um, we're talking uh, we're talking all things Utah State. Obviously, November, this is a happening time of the year for collegiate athletics because football is still going, volleyball is still going, soccer ended, unfortunately. But, you know, we got hoops here as well. Hoops is well established. And, you know, just plenty, plenty to talk about. Last segment, we were discussing the Hawaii game, discussing Ike Larson. We want to do a little San Jose State preview for Saturday Senior Night, and then we'll delve into some hoops talk because, personally, that's what that's what I want to talk about. Yeah, no, same hoops. Here. But let's uh, let's do a little little San Jose State talk some shop for Senior Night and stuff. So, what, Jake? What's just your overall impressions right now? Last home game for Utah State. They're five and five. They have a chance to reach bowl eligibility. How big is this one? Oh, it's huge. Um, you took Anderson six kids talked to the about zoo today. How, um, so- how, excuse me about that. Uh, Anderson talked about how, there's only 11 seniors in this class, right? So it's a smaller one um, in football size-wise. But these are some guys that really are, are close to, um, I guess, the character, the leadership of this team. It's guys like Logan Bonner and Hunter Reynolds, you know, Um guys that that really facilitated this transition to Blake Anderson that played crucial roles in a Mountain West championship and LA Bowl win so it's going to be a huge night they're going to want to go out with a win at Maverick Stadium they saw their teammates feel that that sting of defeat against Wyoming last year on senior night and to put extra on the line beyond you know your last home game it's for bowl eligibility so I think There'll be plenty of energy, plenty, uh, plenty on the line to get the the team motivated for this one. It's gonna be really cold outside. <laughs> it, yeah. Have you seen the weather app? Like a six degree low. Yeah. All right, I mean that's that's wild. <laughs> Saturday night. This is saying that low is gonna be ten. So imagine it's gonna be like seventeen degrees for a game that starts at eight p.m. That's cold. And so they're playing San Jose State, who is from the Bay Area. We've had this conversation before. You're like, whoa, the Bay Area is actually pretty chilly. It's a little chilly. It's a little chilly. It's not El City chilly. It's not Cache Valley cold. <laughs> We're up in a frozen tundra up here. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying it's not a Las Vegas or Hawaii jump. To I, I live in Las Vegas. It snowed one winter. Those, those desert we nights. Got, we got snow <laughs> in the valley, in the Valley of Fire. They canceled it. We didn't, we didn't go. It was glorious. It can get cold in Vegas. Anyways. <laughs> I, it's, what's interesting, though, is we, we, always, we never really see Utah State play well in cold weather games, which should be to their advantage because this is their home. This is their environment, right? So I, they do most of their practicing at the indoor facility. And I, I guess the question is, like, do we really want to, like, wear our guys out in the elements and risk for their injuries and stuff during practice or can we just keep them healthy keep them in the indoor facility and then throw them out there just for the game and hopefully they, they get ready for it and I, I guess that uh that's kind of what they're doing that's been their approach I just I don't know I don't know if they they're gonna bring it with the physicality Saturday is that me being over overly skeptical me being overly concerned with something that isn't playing as much of a role as I'm, I'm saying it should be? Um, I think it could be, but I will say that Utah State's going to have a heck of a time running the ball. 
um, primarily because the Spartan front is ferocious. Um, ferocious. Ferocious. I'll, I'll pull up some statistics in a second to, to back up my claims, but it's something that um, people have been asking Blake Anderson all week about is how, how are you going to deal with this? And it's the typical Blake Anderson, we're going to be a balanced team. You know, he, he never abandons the run. Um, so what do, you, what do you see there? What's Calvin Tyler Jr. going to have to do, especially now with Robert Briggs out for the season? No, I mean, Calvin's going to have to establish himself. And I really, the offensive line, it'll be interesting to see if Jacob South is able to be back, right, because he's he's a guy that they need up there. Um, I, I just I don't know what they're going to be able to do besides just schematically execute well and hopefully draw up enough plays where Calvin's able to get a little bit of space and break loose. With the sample size that we've seen this season from Utah State's offensive line and from San Jose State's defensive line, there there's no way that Saturday is going to come and Utah State's offensive line is going to overpower the Spartans. It's just not going to happen. So let's not pretend like it's going to. Here's the numbers, right? 31 sacks on the season for San Jose State and 72 tackles for loss for 270 yards. Goodness that, gracious. <laughs> that is nasty. Yeah, that's uh, that's nasty, and that's that's something to look at. Not not just the rush defense, but the the passing attack, right? Can Cooper stay relatively unscathed? He couldn't against Hawaii. Now they mentioned that part of those was his fault. Blake was like, "Hey, Coop needs well, to." Well, he be... took on the the, the mantle too, saying, yeah. "Hey, I, I hung that's on to right. the balls a little bit." Yeah, too much. and and so maybe maybe that would that's a good learning experience. Those four sacks in Hawaii to help him like, "Okay, I gotta." operate quicker to avoid getting hit against San Jose State. But it's just it's going to be a massive, massive challenge. And I I, I think that's the the root of Utah State's offensive issues this season. There's actually a lot of them. You can talk about the receiving core, but <laughs> I think yeah. that the offensive line, there's just been a handful of games, if that, where they've been the more physical team in the trenches. And that just automatically puts you at a major disadvantage. And now you have a team that is touted for their defensive line and is going to be better than pretty much every offensive line in this conference. And so it's uh, it's going to be a major, major test. And one of those seniors is Chandler Dolphin at center. Can he be a guy that as a probably as a captain on Saturday and as a leader, is he somebody that can, you know, steer them forward and keep the keep the group composed and keep them doing their job or are they just gonna get exposed yeah no so it'll it'll be a challenging one just before we move on we'll we'll see what ike larson had to say about how important this game is to the seniors um it's it's very important for the seniors we're gonna try to send them off the right way we're gonna do everything we can this week to uh game prep and game plan and just come out saturday and play the best we can and hopefully we come out with a win so it's very important any any last thoughts on san jose state jacob no if utah state could pull off this win it would be massive it'd be it'd be a massive win for the program we'll see if they uh see if they can do it let's see if Lega can uh move the ball via the air especially with how cold it is i i think that that second air is something they can exploit and then the Utah State defense, 
I think that they match up okay against them, especially if they can get MJ Tafisi back, who we've been like for weeks now. We've been like, is it, is he good? Is he is he not? I'm I'm thinking this week might be where he's actually like for real, for real good. And Chevin Cordero and San Jose State, they pass the ball too. Will they be able to have that same success <clears throat> in the November winter weather in Logan, or are they going to have to pound the rock too? And it's it's going to be a dogfight. Utah State hasn't shown that they can win dogfights this season, just bluntly, but you never know. It's senior night. Maybe they'll rally and make it happen. Yeah. Well, and it's going to be um, it's going to be for bull eligibility, as we mentioned, and if you don't win this one, you have to get your first ever win on the Smurf turf to go to a bowl. So, And even then, we've, we've talked about how sometimes Mountain West teams can get left out, even with six wins. So... It lot lot on the line for the season goal of getting to a bowl game. So let's go ahead and pivot. Let's talk some Aggie volleyball. Their season coming down to the wire here. Uh, this is the last week of regular season play right now. Aggies in fourth place, eleven and five in conference behind Colorado State, San Jose State, and UNLV. UNLV is just about sealed that top spot, um, but the Aggies could very well try and sneak. Uh, that third or second spot away if they win out and the Spartans and Rams get a couple losses. So um, Utah State on the road this week. Tomorrow night, Thursday, 6.30, they're in Albuquerque against New Mexico. And then they'll wrap things up on Saturday, 1 p.m. Uh, at the Air Force Academy. You know, I think uh, the, the volleyball team is peaking at the right time. I mean, last week, San Jose State I believe, is second in the conference. They come to Club Estes. The Aggies pull off a 3-2 win in the match over the Spartans, and then they handle Nevada. Just, it they, wasn't sweep even, Nevada they sweep Nevada. They sweep Nevada. None of those games were even close, though, I believe. Um, and so I think they're playing really well at the right time. They're probably going to be the fourth seed if they can take care of business this week. So going into the Mountain West tournament over Thanksgiving for volleyball, they can put themselves in a good position to be able to make a run and perhaps chase that automatic bid. And I think they have the talent that if the stars align, they've shown they can beat anyone in this conference on a given day. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Of course, the Mountain West Championship, Thanksgiving weekend, November 23rd through the 25th in Fort Collins. So that's what they're trying to gear up for here and they don't have any danger of falling to that fifth spot. New Mexico's down at seven and nine in the fifth spot. So um, it's really just maybe you can sneak past Colorado State, but for the most part, just stay in form, build some confidence, keep your sh- win streak going going into that tournament. Should we go a uh, sports radio show on wheels for Thanksgiving? Should we go over to Fort Collins? <laughs> well, I think we're going to go to Boise, actually. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. We're going We're going up to, to Boise, Idaho for that, that football game, huh? Yeah. No, should be uh, should be good stuff from women's volleyball uh, this this last two weeks. That's interesting. The, the gap between the top four teams in the league and everybody else, mm-hmm. I think, is, is pretty big talent-wise and also it appears record-wise. So they've definitely proven they're in that upper echelon so hopefully they can win the quarterfinal game make it to that semifinals and give themselves a shot yeah it's a lot different than 
how the soccer season ended up with how close the conference was. You can clearly see, you know, it's kind of UNLV's tournament to lose, but New Mexico, Colorado State, and the Aggies all have a good chance at trying to bring down the Rebels, who only have one loss in conference play right now. And it's in Colorado. It's in Fort Collins, mm-hmm. so it's going to be home for Colorado State, and they have ample experience in these situations because the Rams have really led the conference the past several years in volleyball. So they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Well, at and, home and in the volleyball tournament. attendance too. They pack the Moby, man. So the Moby Dick Arena. Yeah, I told you that was the third strike, dude. Albert, this has been an <laughs> ongoing trend. Moby Arena, nah, but they uh, got a giant whale up in there. <laughs> I don't know. I I cannot confirm that. I've only seen a ram, but <laughs> <laughs> let's let's switch gears. A more somber uh, week for women's basketball. They um, won their first game, but then it's two straight losses. The first one at home, seventy-eight to sixty-eight, on Friday afternoon against Southeastern Louisiana, and the Lions just really took it to the Aggies in that one. And then. Uh... What was the, what was the second result? You're gonna bring that one up, Jake oh, Ellis. Yeah. yeah, it's coming. I just wanted. Did you have any thoughts on that Lions loss? Or I I I only have thoughts about this latest loss. Okay. To be honest with okay. you. Okay. Well, quickly I'll say just Lions wise, um, it wasn't necessarily problems with shooting. Um, they shot 50 percent from beyond the arc, 45 percent from the field. It was some some defensive cracks, giving way too many easy baskets to. Um, the Lions, 36 points in the paint, 15 points off of turnovers for southeastern Louisiana. So those were that was the main difference there for me, which is interesting because in the past more it has been some of those shooting problems. So, uh, All right, here's what you want to talk about. Monday night, or sorry, Tuesday night, Last down, night. down at Burns Arena in St. George. You ever been there? I, I have. It's a, it's a beautiful little it arena. Is, it's nice. Um, well, it yeah, wasn't. I, I it enjoy was, it. It wasn't too pretty for the Aggies. 95-57, to 57, they lose to the Trailblazers. So they, they go down, they play Dixie State. Excuse me. Utah Tech. Excuse me. Utah <laughs> Tech, the newest Division One school in the state. This is their first year playing Division One in all sports. The Aggies, a well-established FBS mid-major basketball program yeah. from the Mountain West. They go down to St. George, and they look like a Division Two team. Yeah. They get... Boat raced ninety five to fifty seven. I that can you believe that score? It's outrageous. It is. It's it's upsetting, honestly. Credit credit Utah Tech. They really took it to them, but uh, I think there's uh, there are big problems with Utah State women's basketball and Kayla Ard. She's got to get that squad figured out quick because I how do you how do you give up ninety five points to to Utah Tech. I mean, to be fair, they shot excellent, right? They shot 50% from downtown, 11 made threes, and 57% from the field, but 48 points of the paint. With the size you have with Abby Wall and Prima Cellis, that cannot happen. Um, you can't. It's just, man, that, that defense really got needs to be sorted out, like you said. And it's do or die time. Um it's a long season, and if you if you go into that losing mode and you lose your confidence and momentum in November, it's going to be a long year. Well, I, you're, correct me if I'm wrong. You're going to be providing color at analysis yeah. for this team the whole season, right? I, at the home games? Yeah, as much as I can. This 
you might brace yourself. I mean, if they <laughs> if they are looking like this, what are you going to have to talk about? That they, they got to it's early, right? Yeah. They can have some heart-to-heart moments. They can figure out the rotation. They can figure out how to play better defense. But I mean, it might be a long year. Last year we thought we thought the the program was maybe turning a corner, you know, second year with Kayla Ard and Quezada and Ranhawa were really great players and they're able to steal a couple of conference games, get a little, little bit of momentum and they lose all their playmakers to graduation or to the transfer portal. And they're trying to drum up excitement of, Hey, like we got these girls coming in. And so maybe, maybe they need time to, to make it happen. Right. But when you're losing by 40 points to Utah tech, I mean, that's uh that's pretty, that's pretty tough. Yeah. Well, and, to be fair, I will say, you know, women's basketball is a sport that Utah Tech tries to make an effort in every season. It's one of their, you know, more focused on programs just with what they can get recruiting-wise, right? But, um, like you said, their first year, Division One, like, you just can't. That can't happen. So, they um, travel to Arkansas State on Saturday. It's going to be a tough one. They beat the Red Wolves on a buzzer beater last year. That's right. That was a wild game. Mm-hmm. I think the bench got ejected in that. The one, whole bench they? was ejected, so they had five players for the entire game. So that was a nightmare. <laughs> and then, then they will play a home game the uh, night before Thanksgiving. So a nice little activity for your your in laws in town if you want to. Two o'clock in the Spectrum against Ball State. So imagine having to go to Thanksgiving with your in laws. <laughs> well. I don't have that problem yet. Yeah, uh, me you, you don't either. Me neither. I'm just thinking purely hypothetically. Okay. <laughs> you're gonna get some guys in trouble if they, you know, their wife comes in while they're listening to this. Oh boy, like, man, man, what do you? You got me on the the hot seat now, and I was just listening to Aggie sports. What are you even? What are you even talking about? Yeah, I, 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 out of bounds a bit. Out of bounds on my part. <laughs> well, let's take a quick break. Then we got men's hoops. What you've been waiting to talk about all day right here on Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLULP Logan. Aggie fans, this broadcast is brought to you by Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLU and Everlight Solar. Everlight Solar serves communities throughout Utah and help local homeowners go solar. More information is available at everlightsolar.com. Aggie football is brought to you by 92.3 KBLU and the Utah Toyota dealers. The new line of Toyota Corollas, Camrys, and Tacomas are available at Toyota dealership locations throughout the state of Utah or at toyota.com. The Cache Valley Center for the Arts is presenting Comedy Night at the Ellen Eccles Theater, featuring Chicago comedians Rocky Lepore from the Just for Lats Comedy Festival in Montreal and Tim Waco from Fox's Murder in Town X. The Comedy Night is October 3rd at 7.30 p.m. More info at cashearts.org. Intermountain Healthcare supports this program on 92.3 KBLU. Intermountain Healthcare is a Utah-based, not-for-profit system of 24 hospitals, 160 clinics, and 38,000 employees. More information is available at intermountainhealthcare.org. Welcome back to Aggie Radio, 92.3 KBLU LP Logan. You're listening to the Aggie Sports Radio Show. I'm Jacob Nielsen. Alongside me, the sports editor of the Utah Statesman, Jake Ellis. You know, you can listen to it if you're missing this. Then you can listen to it on podcast, Statesman Sports Pod. What, what's it called? Sports Desk. The Statesman yeah. Sports Desk. 
How you can also look up Aggie Radio Sports Show. So a couple ways to find it. Um, we'll try and link it more on our socials as well. But So not to uh, bury the lead or anything, <laughs> you know, 40 minutes into the show, but let's talk some uh, some Utah State men's basketball. They open the season 3-0, and all double-digit wins, an average margin of victory of 20 points. And this isn't uh, Fort Lewis College. No. This is quality mid-major programs that are all between 100 and 150 in the Ken Palm rankings. And Bradley, Utah Valley. Santa Clara. Santa Clara. They they made them all look helpless. Foolish, even. Look like a bunch of fools out there on the court. <laughs> I mean, it it has taken everything in my power right now to j- not hop on this uh, Utah State hype train, um, just because of how how up and down college basketball can be at times. Um, this isn't a team that's going to go undefeated, right? Um, that's just not you know even Says the top, who? even the Says top who, dogs don't go undefeated, right? <laughs> But, <laughs> but um, the grain of salt here, and it's a very minor one. Uh, we'll get into the very good in just a second. But, you know, all of these are at home, right? So I uh, haven't had that road test yet. That's coming tomorrow night right here on Aggie Radio as the Aggies go down to San Diego, take on the Toreros. So what was what, so big to you in these first three wins, Jacob? What was big to me is how dynamic the offense was but how many different options they have to score the basketball. Taylor Funk might be him. Yeah. Like, the dude can play. This guy is 6'9". He's a forward. He's a proven rebounder. He's got three double-digit double-doubles, right? And so he's really been able to fill in that void down low in terms of getting boards. But then he's pulling up from the logo. He's pulling up from the E in the Utah State sign. He's pulling up from the Crumble logo. Yeah. And it's going in. <laughs> I, it's outrageous. It is. And the shooting percentage is unbelievable, too. Yeah. He, I, honestly, I'm already seeing the great tragedy of Taylor Funk might be that he's only an Aggie for one season. But let's not get ahead of ourselves already. There's plenty of time to enjoy Taylor Funk early. So Taylor Funk, like you said, could be – you know what uh, Logan Bonner was, what Derek Wright was, you know, in the transfer portal for football last season. Well, well hold on an now. Hold on now. Derek, Derek Wright right? wasn't a transfer last year. Oh, sorry. My sorry bad. to burst your bottle. I'm oh. sorry. Brandon Bowling there. How no, there you go. How there about you go. That's good. But That's he good. wasn't the leading touchdown scorer. Sorry. My bad. Mm-hmm. Got my, my receivers mixed up. But, you know, it wasn't a huge boost out of nowhere, right? This right. is This is like the same. This is a similar trend. You go to the transfer portal, you – you fill in some holes that you have from losing Justin Bean. And Taylor Funk is just doing a really nice job in that role. Not only him, but it seems like everybody that's coming back has just gotten better. Yeah. Max Shulgas seems to have made a huge leap from a sophomore to a junior. Just looks so polished. He's averaging nine points a game. And if they needed him to score more, he would score more. Yeah. Steven Ashworth has been absolutely phenomenal. He's shooting the lights out. He's through three games, he's the leading scorer for the Aggies with 18 points per game. He's 10 of 19 from beyond the arc. Utah State as a team, this is this is a stat that 
via via Ken Palm that's really really um, impressive is their adjusted e- efficiency on offense is 107.2, which is 53rd in the nation. But I should say they're hanging, they're posting up numbers offensively that other programs are posting against low low Division One opponents and Division Two opponents this early season. They've been posting these numbers against quality mid-major teams. And then the defense against quality mid-major teams is 46 nationally with 92.6%. So, I mean, it's it's a balanced-looking team. They're shooting 41.9% from beyond the arc, which is 36 nationally. They struggled so much last season. To, they could generate open shots. Yeah. Great ball movement. Couldn't, they couldn't make them. Early, it's early. It's early. Yeah. They're making those shots early. I mean, and against, for Pete's sake, against Santa Clara, yeah. they were getting whatever they wanted because they have so many guys from Ashworth and Funk and even Zihamoda all of a sudden looks like he can shoot and Shulga and Ryland Jones mm-hmm. hits his first three Building three-pointers. Some confidence there. I know. So, so, yeah, I mean, they there are just so many different tools in that woodshed that they can pull out and they can make happen. And so I, it's... Uh, it's really fun basketball to watch so far from Utah State. Well, and a couple other things that um, you didn't mention right there is that you have Trevin Dorius and Dan Akin who have looked really good. Akin struggled a little bit against UVU. He called it his first game jitters, right? And that seems to be true because he's had two really solid performances afterwards playing the strong defense that the Aggies are going to have to do against guys like Graham Ike um, in the Mountain West Conference, you know. And What's really impressive to me is Trevin Dorius was, to be fair, he was he was way too reckless last season. He fouled way too much. He did. He admitted that himself. Yeah, he did. And this season, playing so much cleaner, so much smarter. And Odom said something that I guess I didn't fully realize, but Dorius, you know, he was injured in the off season, but I didn't realize how closely that was up to the start of the season last year. He really only practiced like three times before the season started. And the Aggies just needed size, so they had to throw him in, right? He just wasn't ready. Um, but this year, he has had this full offseason on top of the experience he had last season. And he looks so much improved. Like, it's hard to tell who's the most improved because it could be Max Scholga, like you said. Could be Stephen Ashworth, but he was also starting to show flashes of this last season. Right now, I think it's Trevin Dorius. I think you make a pretty good argument. I mean... To your point, he just looks so polished, and also he's really, he's really. Someone told me after the last game, like he's finally playing like a seven footer. Yep. He got, he caught a oop from Jones, and he slammed that thing over over a dude. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, he, there were stretches last year where he was a little, he looked a little bit soft, a little bit tentative. He still, he's not, he doesn't have the greatest touch around the basket still, but he's showing that he can power through and get buckets get rebounds and defensively he's actually he might be a legitimate rim protector presence he he's known to me as Keta no. to me as Keta was the best defender in the entire land of college basketball when he was yeah. at Utah State but Trevin is looking like a guy that when he's in the game can be relied upon to help the team and because I, I think at the beginning of the season we were like Trevin Doris in the starting lineup people were wanting Dan Atkin because mm-hmm. his length athleticism Trevin's showing why he's a starter. Yeah. So it's uh, it's impressive. But, well, and I just want to – another thing 
and I'm not usually a defensive guy beyond blocks, right? I, I love watching a good block, but um, the way that they shut down Santa Clara's leading scorer, he had averaged 32 points a game going into that night. It gets limited to 12 or 14, and man, Shulga was on him all night, just so tight. He, he didn't give him any windows, and then Taylor Funk started closing down the passing lanes around him, got five steals. Like, that's a nightmare. If you can do that to a guy like um, Matt Bradley or someone like Isaiah Stevens when he's back, man, that is going to be impressive. Yeah, Brandon Podzemski, I believe is his name, was averaging 32 points in the first two games, just scored 12. He was also like four of 13 shooting or something. Shulga did an excellent job on him. Also, who guarded him when Shulga was out was Steven Ashworth. Mm -hmm. Steven Ashworth did a good job. Steven Ashworth is an overlooked defender because of his size and length. But at 6'1", when he's assigned roles, he can uh, can get the job done. So, yeah, defensively, they're looking great. Huge test Thursday night at San Diego. Less so because of the opponent and more so because it's a road game, I think. San Diego, they have a really good coach. They are a quality WCC team. They're not a team that's going to be in the tournament, the NCAA tournament, but they're another team that's in the top 150 at Ken Palm that has athleticism and could give the Aggies trouble if they don't bring it. But here's how much uh, the analytics love Utah State. Let me just, I'm going to try to blaze through this, so bear with me. But this is the projected result of their next X couple of games. San Diego, win. Oral Roberts, win. Utah Tech, Win. San Francisco, win. Wow. That one. Loyola Marymount, win. Westminster, win. Weber State, win. Seattle, win. Fresno State, win. Air Force, win. Boise State, win. Wyoming, win. Nevada, win. UNLV, win. San Jose State, win. They are not projected to lose, according to Ken Palm, until Wednesday, January 25th <laughs> at San Diego State. Well, that changed recently. Because I remember that Wyoming game used to be projected a loss. Yeah. So, man, could you believe if that happened? Could you believe the the basketball fever in Cache Valley? Would you believe if it? that happened? Be, <laughs> but we are getting we're yeah way too we're far getting way too far ahead of it. <laughs> I, hey, I'm just reading the stats yeah. right here. You know, I'm 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 not blowing smoke. I'm just reading stats. But <laughs> realistically, realistically, they could get out of this non-conference undefeated, and also realistically. If they lose one game, it might in this non-conference. It's all good teams, but no great teams, right? So they really need to win them all to keep the resume. Um, really, the San Francisco game is the one game that you can point to of like, oh, that's going to look really, really great in March. So they yeah. need to win that one. I guess they could have a one slip up or so, but it seems like they could win all these games in non-conference. Mm-hmm. And it's possible. if they stay healthy, they, I mean, they kind of – kind of need to to stay on pace with the the tournament race well and speaking of they did have a health scare Stephen ashworth uh has to get helped off the the court late in the in the second half against santa clara but he's practiced the last couple games or practices rather and he's been fine and he's expected to play tomorrow night so really this is a healthy team so far we don't know of any injuries right now no yeah i mean they're really healthy and then also news from today um it's announced that Isaac Johnson, yeah, and, and Mason Falsliff. Mason Falsliff are both going to redshirt this year. Mason Falsliff is a guard coming back from his mission. Original Utah commit came here. He's really good buddies with Jones. He's also a Skyview grad. Um, 
he looked really, really good in some practices yeah. and showed that physically and athletically he can hang with this team. But just such a loaded roster of guards, and so they don't want to waste his eligibility if he can't get the time on the court that he would need to for it to be worthwhile, right? And it's the same case with Johnson, too. He's, you know, he... He got minutes in Oregon, a, a yeah. team that was ranked in the top 25 a few times. Uh, obviously, didn't pan out because they, they lost a lot. But um, he got minutes in, a, in an impressive squad, and he definitely could in this one. But it's that same eligibility-wise. Like, you have Trevin Dory, you have Shimon Safala. He's not going to get that many minutes, if, like, really any at all. So I it's a smart move. I think it's definitely a little tough for him to swallow. But when I talked to him, he said he's at peace with it. He understands why. Um, he thinks it's a good decision. He wishes that he would have done that redshirt year at Oregon instead, but it is what it is, and he's looking forward to doing what he can to build some some muscle mass and, and do the things that he needs to do to become a real force in the next couple of years. Yeah. Credit to Ryan Odom and the Utah State basketball coaching staff for assembling a team that has legitimate depth on the roster that you can go down the line in each position and be like, okay, if this guy gets injured, it's not game over. There's someone else that can step up. To push the Aggies o- over the top, and which I think means an at-large team in the NCAA tournament, their best guys need to stay healthy. But in just being a competitive basketball team that on a night-by-night basis can get it done, they have enough dudes that when the going gets tough if said player is out with said injury they're going to be okay on a specific night and so i that's that's impressive because i think that that's something that utah state hasn't had in recent years i think under craig smith they were really really starter heavy in terms of yeah, high talent here but the bench you know it got a little bit slim pickings that's how you have guys like brock miller 2018 this is before your time young jake ellis <laughs> but he was a starter his freshman year brock wow. ellis if he comes in right now, great player still, he would not. No, he would he would be falling the ranks of Mason Falsliff, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that that's just a little indicator of the depth that this team has right now. Okay, quick fire. We got one minute left. Uh, it's been announced. Baby races coming back to the spectrum. First one on December fifteenth during that Westminster halftime show. So I need to know what's your favorite halftime show. Well, the, the best halftime show that there is, you're going to roll your eyes. It's the truth. I don't care. It's the mascot five-on-five five game. You know, last year with Stuff of Legends, they got Big Blue. Mm-hmm. They got all the different mascots from the different high schools. Yeah. They had the Grizzly Bear. They had the River Hawk. They had the Wolf from Green Canyon. And then they had some corporate sponsors coming in. They had a fat boy. The fat boy <laughs> yeah. stuffed the Skyview Bobcat. Like he was Namias Keta. And it was the most electric thing I've ever seen on a basketball court. Yeah. We're all there for hoops. We're all there to watch hoops. Mm-hmm. Give us more hoops at halftime. I love it. I don't care that they're mascots. In fact, do you know what we need to do to build upon it? Mm. Let's get the Smithfield Junior Jazz champion of the U eight year olds. Let's get them against the mascots in halftime. I want to see show. the mascots against the little kids. That's mm. what I want. That's actually what I want this season. <laughs> Okay, and mine, um, Baby Races is close to my heart. It's a real good secondary there. But it's got to be the Golden Girls, man. The joy that fills the arena 
and they're they're great dance. It's it's well choreographed, well put together. Gonna be a good one. But as always, I just I was reminded again in the Santa Clara game of just how great some of these halftime shows are in the spectrum. So yeah, we had Hula Man balancing mm-hmm. and. Right, hula hoop in. He wasn't a hula. Yeah, man. he had like a ring. Yeah. I don't really know what to explain it was. You had to have been there <laughs> yeah. to fully appreciate it. But no, halftime shows are back. Hoops is back. Utah State is back? Question mark. Question mark. Did they ever leave? I don't know. But but tomorrow night here on Aggie Radio, San Diego, it's tip off at eight p.m. So listen here. I believe pregame fifteen or thirty minutes before that. So tune in early, um, and then they'll come back home Tuesday against Oral Roberts. That's gonna do it. We ran a little over, so thanks for turning in, tuning in to the Aggie Radio Sports Show on 92.3 KBLU-LP Logan. I'm Jake Ellis for Jacob Nielsen. Have a great night. Discount Tire is a proud sponsor of Aggie Football and 92.3 KBLU. With locations in Logan, Providence, and Smithfield, Discount Tire offers services such as oil changes, emissions, alignments, car maintenance, and more. More information is available at webtires.net.